Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body. They saw the angel sitting there 
And they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. I don't believe there's a fact in ancient history today so well proven as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even if there was no proof, no historical proof, no scientific proof, and there is, I would still believe it because I believe this book is God's inspired word and the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that shook the Roman Empire that a man had risen from the dead, that he was alive, that death could not hold him. Christ is alive. He's a living Savior. A proclamation that has come from the church and followers of Jesus for so many years is that he is risen. And the church has responded that way with this affirmation, with this positive reality of who Jesus is, the work that Jesus has done in us and through us and in all things. Words like these have been proclaimed for over 2,000 years since the resurrection of Jesus. I love to hear words, this reminder of who Jesus is, that he is alive. We gather today to serve and follow and be reminded of and to be encouraged together that he is alive. See, Jesus stands apart. There have been so many people who have come along who have said, I am the Messiah, I am the Savior, follow after me. But they've all died and they've stayed dead. And Jesus is unique in the, 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 the sense that he rose from the grave. But resurrection is something that we just can't comprehend because it just doesn't happen. There's a man named Thomas, and Thomas, unfortunately for him, has become known as Doubting Thomas. And I think if we're all honest, is that there's been seasons or parts of our life or where we're at right now, or maybe there's even elements where we have this doubting element within us. Could it be true? I don't know. I don't know. And I love that the Apostle Paul, he wrote to the church at Corinth because people were saying, there's no way Jesus arose from the dead. There's no such thing as resurrection. This is all there is, is what they were proclaiming. Live it up now. Paul wrote these words. He said, we have preached that Christ has been raised from the dead. So how can some of you say that no one rises from the dead? If no one rises from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, what we preach doesn't mean anything. Your faith doesn't mean anything either. More than that, we would be lying about God. We are witnesses that God raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him from the dead if the dead are not raised. If the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith doesn't mean anything. Your sins have not been forgiven. Those who have died believing in Christ are also lost. Do we have hope in Christ only for this life? Then people should pity us more than anyone else. So what he's saying is that, hey, if you don't believe in resurrection, this is, this is a waste. What we're doing this morning is a waste. What you're following is a waste. But I love this. In verse 20, he says, but Christ really has been raised from the dead. He is the first of all who arise from the dead. Death came because of what man did. Rising from the dead also comes from what man did. Because of Adam, all people die. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. So because of Christ, all will be made alive. Adam broke it, sin entered the world. Jesus fixed, us and fixed it and brought resurrection and life and change. And this is life and life to the full now for those that follow Jesus, but it's also eternal life through Jesus. So today we celebrate. We sit in what is a beautiful spring morning. The sun is shining. And I'm so thankful that you're with us in person, that you're watching online. But we celebrate. And so today as we sing, it's not this like glum, look, it's joy. It's excitement. It's praise for a living God. So when we pray, when we sing, when we listen, when whatever it is we do this morning, that you would do it with joy and that you would look at those places of doubt in your heart and allow God's spirit to do something 
to take a step forward today. So let's pray. Father God, gracious Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the fact of resurrection. Thank you that what was dead has been brought to life. And Lord, because of that resurrection, we can be brought to life as well. The dead places within us, sin within us is brought to life. So Father, today, may you minister in a mighty way. God, through the words of the song, through prayer, may your spirit do a great work. Lord, as we celebrate you. And so we pray these things in the strong and powerful resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Now you can put your hands together and sing with us, all right?
continue to worship. Our God is good. Let's sing about him.
Well, if you want to follow along, we're going to be reading the Easter story, the resurrection of Jesus, bouncing back and forth between Luke 24 and John 20. This is Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and all the other apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense to them. So Mary Magdalene came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and saw the strips of linen lying there in the tomb, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached Jesus first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their tombs, or to the homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciple with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. 
He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Thank you, Nick. May we be blessed and encouraged by the, the hearing and the reading of the word. The question for you, how do you envision your future? And what does your future look like? Maybe a better description or idea is, is what do you hope for in the future? And then why? I think the followers of Jesus on that Friday as they stood at the cross, their futures felt crushed broken, empty. Can only imagine the grief, the doubt, the pain that everything they had invested in, that they believed in, had literally died before them. And it's easy as human beings for us to experience something similar is that we invest our time, our energy, our resources, our thoughts, our prayers, whatever it may be, into something. And then that project or relationship or person or whatever it may be, dies either in a physical way or in some sort of relational way or whatever it may be. This Lenten season, the 40 days leading to Easter here, we looked at our own mortality and we'll walk through a series called Dust to Dust where we come from dust and we're gonna end up as dust. Not the most uplifting message in the world. But here's the day where we look beyond that, that there is life beyond this life. That we may face many deaths many disappointments, many pains, many dreams crashing down around us. But there is life beyond this. And as followers of Christ, we have the ability and the empowerment because of resurrection to face those things in the here and now. Because resurrection changes everything. See, resurrection gives us perspective in this life and also life beyond. Resurrection is rooted in hope and hope transforms us, transforms our current reality and transforms how we walk into the next reality. So again, how do you envision your future? What do you hope for? What do you desire? Professor of philosophy, Greg Gansel says this, hope is largely future oriented, but it is a present construct about my future. My present ability to navigate the world with confidence requires that I construe my future as good. 
I mean, we've all been there. We've had those days, weeks, months, years where we see nothing but darkness ahead of us. And we walk into that and everything that happens around us just feels heavier. But what he's saying here is that this confident construes that future that is good. Thus cultivating hope is not an escapist strategy to avoid the present. It is rather essential to navigating life now. So when we walk in that darkness and that's all we see, that's all we're going to experience. What he's saying is that we cultivate the reality now. We have hope that there is a better tomorrow. Not just because we're good enough, we're smart enough, we have the right things going for us, but because of resurrection. That's the hope. That's the beauty of this day is that there's something far greater than us that happens. And it's not wishful thinking. I've said that many times. Hope is not some childish like, oh, I really hope this happens. It is a confident expectation that Jesus is who he said he was, that Jesus has done the things that he did because he said it and he followed through in his promises. See, we root hope in resurrection as followers of Jesus. Otherwise, we root our hope in temporal realities, which we all know will disappoint us at one point. Think back to a student that I had in youth group who was really struggling and struggling with people around them. And I remember telling her many times, I promise you people will let you down. In fact, I will let you down. I'm telling you the same thing, is that people will let you down, I'll let you down. But what I told her, I said, Jesus, the Father God will not let you down because he is consistent and faithful and true in ways that we can't be. Hope changes everything. Nick, just a few moments ago, he read these words from Luke where Jesus told them, starting in verse 46 of Luke 24, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day for repentance, for the forgiveness of sins, and will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm gonna send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power on high. So Jesus is like, hey, all right, so I'm, I'm back from the dead. Do you remember when I was talking to you before and I told you that I was gonna die? That happened, right? And then Jesus gathers him and he just says, hey, you remember how we were talking about how three days later I would resurrect from the dead and I'd, I'd be back and it just didn't make any sense to you? Hey guys, how you doing? I'm back. And then maybe the question that Jesus posed to them was, why, why did this happen? Why did I tell you these things and why did it come to fruition? And Jesus says in that passage is that, well, it's, it's for the forgiveness of your sins and the forgiveness of the sins of the world. And because you've witnessed this, you've heard this, you have a job as well. You are to be witnesses as well. You are to proclaim, to walk in life, to walk in a confident hope and expectation, not based on temporal things, but on Jesus. And I love how Andy Stanley says this. He says it with a smile when I've heard him say it a couple times. He says, when somebody predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, you should go with whatever this person says, right? I mean, if you can predict that and then do it and then stand there, I think at that point, the disciples are like, yeah, I'm in. I get it. And that's why we saw the disciples, many go to their death for their faith. That's why we see the word preserved. That's why we see the explosion of the church because of these early witnesses who were there, who saw it, who heard it. And they were witnesses to other witnesses who were witnesses. And here we are generations later as witnesses too, proclaiming the same truth. Why? Because resurrection changes everything. Death has forever been changed. Whereas death used to be the end, now it's the beginning. Whereas at that day at the cross, it seemed like everything was over with Jesus' death. That was just the beginning of the explosion of the church of Jesus Christ. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, had your sins forgiven, scripture talks about the death of the old self. The old self has passed away and there's resurrection life. There's a newness that comes because of resurrection. See, Jesus, when he was talking to Martha at one point, he said these famous words. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So not only did Jesus experience resurrection, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is the question for us this morning, is do you believe this?
It's expectant hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. So he's saying, don't just hear the word and then let it go. This is of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. This is of first importance. Do you believe this? It's our question again. I love that Jesus doesn't leave us in our unbelief. Is that when we seek, we will find. When we look, he will answer. I love even post-resurrection, how Jesus continued to appear again and again and again. Because if anyone's going to doubt, they're going to doubt right away. I saw his death. I saw him buried. But what does Jesus do? He meets Mary at the tomb, weeping, fills her with joy. He meets the other women returning back, and they worship him. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus walks with them, and they, they feel something different. He meets with Peter. He meets with the apostles, minus Thomas. They open the scripture, and he says, see, this is what I was talking about. He meets with the apostles again, and then again later with Thomas, and calls Thomas to faith. Thomas confesses faith. Meets again with the disciples and Peter is commissioned. And then 500 people he appears to and James and the other disciples and, and he, the great commission is given. And then there's his final appearance before the ascension. Jesus showed up again and again and again and again. And he still shows up today. I know this year has been rough. I know many of you are in many different places that are here, that are watching online. Many different places in life and in faith and just different things. But resurrection changes everything. It can change where you're at right now. In the here and now and also in the eternity. He said, you are witnesses. You are witnesses. See, Jesus appeared in this resurrection power and and for those of us that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are empowered by the Spirit of God. This is a result of salvation and resurrection. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and glory. So the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that allowed resurrection to happen in the physical realm is the same spirit that lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus. See, we're animated, we're empowered by the spirit of God. We as the church, we as followers live a resurrected life. N.T. Wright wrote these words. He said, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project. Again, this new life. Not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize the earth with the life of heaven. See, for too long, believers have just said, Jesus, save me, get me out of here. Jesus, save me, keep me away from everyone else. That's not the message of the gospel. That's not the message of resurrection. It's the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not this escapist reality. It is that we live a resurrected spirit-empowered life now as followers that's transforming us and our families and our workplaces and our neighborhoods and our cities and our country and our world. We're called to look different. See, consider, if you're here just saying, God, get me out of here. Get me away from the sinful world, this broken world, all that's going on. What does it say to those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? those that sit here, those that watch at home, those around us every day. If you're just saying, just Lord, return now, get me out of here. It's like, meh, sorry for everyone else. That's your family. Eternity apart from God. That's your coworkers, eternity apart from God. It's your classmates. Peter wrote, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Wants everyone to come to repentance. 
How do you come to repentance? Romans 10 says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Do you believe this? Here's our question again. You'll make many important decisions in your lifetime. Every day you make thousands and thousands and thousands of decisions. But there will be no more important decision than the decision of whether or not to follow Jesus. You either proactively make that decision to follow Jesus or you proactively say no. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? How? Well, by saying Jesus is Lord. And there's a belief in your heart that God raised him from the dead. In just a moment, I want to invite anyone to pray with me to make that profession of faith for the first time. But I also want to talk to followers and I want to pray for followers of Jesus. Jesus said in Luke that we're to be witnesses. Some of you are stuck in faith. Some of you are questioning. Some of you are just like, this is just dead inside of me. Some of you are like, I need, I need this. What's that next thing? What is that, that thing? If you want to grow in your faith, do what Jesus said and be witnesses. If you want to see the scripture come alive like never before, be a witness. If you want to experience the move of the spirit of God in you and around you, be a witness. If you want the will of God to be done, on, on, can you be a witness? A witness of what? Of what you've experienced. What Jesus has done for you, who Jesus is to you, the peace, the trust, the reason for your hope, the reason for resurrection. It's not just about waiting because the disciples could have waited and just said, Jesus, get me out of here. But he said, be witnesses. Church, we're called to be witnesses. Easter is not about coming here and being like, I like this, I didn't like this, this was okay, whatever it may be. It's about being a witness, being empowered and reminded of the resurrection of Jesus and sharing that, sharing that hope. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, you're calling us to be witnesses to the hope we've experienced and Lord, for those gathered in this place, those who are watching online, wherever they may be, if there is anyone, one, two, three, ten people, whatever it may be, that have never experienced salvation, who have never said yes to following you as their Lord and Savior, who have maybe been a part of the church, who have maybe done churchy things, but have never confessed their sins, never experienced the resurrected power of you within them, may today be that day. Scripture tells us that it's about belief and it's about confession. And so if this is you, that you would just quietly in your heart, in your mind, that you in your mind, that you in your mind, God knows, is that you would say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And today I confess my sin, my brokenness, everything that keeps me away from God. I confess that. I confess that I'm a sinner. But in my belief, I receive your forgiveness, God, through Jesus's finished work on the cross and his resurrection. And so I believe and I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. Scripture tells us that the, the angels in heaven celebrate this profession, this confession, this belief and faith. And also I want to pray for the church, for followers of Jesus. That wherever you're at, that today would be a reminder of our call to be witnesses of the resurrection. That we would go with the hope, with the truth, with the love of Jesus in our words and our actions. That the gospel is good news, that we would be people of good news to the people around us. Lord, you sent the Jesus into the world to see the world, to see the world, to condemn the world. So God, may we follow in that way. 
Lord, we love you and we want to continue to worship you in this place today. We're so thankful. We pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Join us as we sing together two final songs. Praise the King. There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the dead are raised to life. Can we have the lyrics? Let's start that song again. There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness run from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is love.
heaviness comes on, you remember the resurrection and the life that Jesus brought forth. So thankful that we could gather here in this way we could worship outdoors. It's a beautiful morning. I also want to recognize the fact that this morning we celebrated four baptisms. Isabella Russell, Emily Smith, and McKenna and Addison Gruneveld were all baptized this morning. And so we want to give God praise uh, for that. We can give them a round of applause. Absolutely. Yeah. Praise God for that. Proclaiming life from death, proclaiming our salvation. And so, so thankful. Also, they're not doing it for the thing, doing it for the thing, doing it. Thank John and his team. Um, what just happened this morning with an early service inside and this outside, you have no comprehension. Um, so we just want to praise God for the work that was done with his team and the team that was in there earlier. And, uh, and there's so many volunteers here, our safety team, our children's ministry. It's just God's doing a cool work. 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 Of the last year we've lived in, God continues to do a work in us and through us. And I'm so thankful that you are a part in whatever way that may be. Most importantly, I encourage you to grow in your faith, to take that next step, to look for what that is, to ask the questions and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So may the Lord bless you on this Resurrection Sunday and whatever your day is a hold, uh, we're just thankful that the Lord goes with us. So God bless you as you go. Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. Take care.